everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is episode number 190, and we've got some great fun in store for you today. We're going to be talking Star Wars, and uh, very pleased to have as my guests Jamie Tobit and Todd Felton from the 501st Legion, the Imperial Sands Garrison here in San Diego. How you doing, gentlemen? Doing great, John. Thanks for having us. Uh, doing well. Thank you. All right. So, you know, Jamie, you and I, we've known each other a long time, and I know you got involved with this group that is just really all about celebrating Star Wars and and, you know, putting on the costumes, getting out in the community and visiting people. And I just thought it'd be so fun for myself and the audience just to get a chance to learn more about what you're doing. So maybe could you sort of tee it up and let us know what your organization is all about? Uh, sure, sure. I'll, I'll start. So, um, yeah, before we get to how I join, I'll just explain a little bit of the history. But the, the 501st Legion is an international costuming club of, of members who are, are make costumes of Star Wars characters. And that's mm-hmm. essentially what it is. But it's become it's much more than that as well. Um, in fact, Todd, Todd is our local public relations officer. And um, Todd, do you want to explain a little bit more about like the numbers and, and, and where we're located? Sure. Well, yeah, we are all around the world. And uh, currently we've got, uh, let's see, we've got 14,000, there's a 14,151 active members as of today. And included in that, I mean, there's actually more than 30,000 costumes that those members have. So many people have multiples and we are yeah all around the world. There, we have uh, the organization split into regions that we call typically garrisons, or if they don't have enough people in their outposts, very uh, kind of uh, military you know, type style, you know, much like we are in you know, service of the empire. And uh, so, but yeah, everywhere from, you know, there's a, you know, in Fiji or uh, there's several garrisons in Australia and uh, just all over the world. Okay. You know, but one of the things that we, we pride ourselves on is to create high quality or very accurate looking costumes, um, you know, in order to um, in order to even get into the into the club that you need to create a costume of whatever your favorite you know, Star Wars character is. We tend to be what we say the bad guys, uh, mostly because the costumes are cool. Uh, but yeah. um, there is a basically clubs within the club. Say if you want to be a stormtrooper, there's actually a web page of people who want to build a stormtrooper costume, and they will then have. We have a whole selection we call the CRL, the Costume Reference Library. That if you wanted to be a stormtrooper, you that's actually not clear enough. You need to be specific which movie you want to be a stormtrooper trooper from because you may not notice it but stormtroopers from one movie to the next are actually have subtle differences or even within the same movie that's true really that's yeah. true yeah in the original the new hope from 1977 uh the costumes that uh, harrison ford and mark hamill wore were actually different than what all the rest of the stormtroopers were wearing in some slight ah. slight ways so once you 
Well, it's kind of hard. To, it's got multiple moving parts because we locally have groups that help people build these costumes. You're not you're not in a vacuum. We have what we call armor parties, and we actually get together when we could get together uh, at somebody's house, and people bring stuff that they're working on, and it's a it's a lot of skills that I didn't even have when I first joined, of learning how to paint things or glue things or put st- certain things parts together, because you have to get the costume to fit you just right like you know i'm i'm a little bit bigger than your average stormtrooper from the movies but if the armor fits me and my body properly that's completely acceptable and and approvable and then when i say approvable we actually have an officer whose job it is to inspect people's work uh and that it has a check he has a checklist of all the different parts and all the colors and all the sizes that each costume needs to have and he'll go through it and check and say oh you know what those belt your belt's not quite right you need to then it's supposed to be three two and three quarters inches yours is only two and a half inches you know something you know but and, and some people that kind of sometimes tags us. Some people think calling them elitist, but we actually just are really fixated on trying to be as accurate as yeah. possible. And then we want a stormtrooper from San Diego to look just like a stormtrooper from the UK or from Australia. And, um, you know, and actually, um, Lucasfilm, you know, now Disney has actually, you know, used some of us in some of their uh, endeavors because of the quality of, of the costumes that we have. That's nice. I was reading um, the story that you shared with me before you know, earlier this morning about how George Lucas invited the 501st, I think, for the was it the Rose Parade? Yes. Yes. That was in 2007. Um, unfortunately, that predates both Todd and my uh, entry into the Legion, uh, but it would have been fantastic. But we we do have friends that were part of that. And mm-hmm. uh, George Lucas put the word out and um, helped pay for people to travel from all over the world. Not just not it would have been easy just to get stormtroopers from Southern California, but actually brought them in from different countries uh to, to march and sound like a quite an event there's a great documentary actually on the blu-ray set uh called star warriors that uh, details specifically that event awesome the, the blu-ray oh of, of the star wars movies of the star wars the original star wars trilogy yeah. okay well i'd imagine if they were in the rose parade they would be marching in perfect formation right there was some practicing mm-hmm. i'm sure yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So how, it, how do you build these costumes? I mean, it's not like you can order a kit off the Internet. I mean, you, you're building them from scratch, right? That That is mostly true. Yes, you can't uh, just buy a costume off of uh, eBay or, or whatnot. In fact, we discourage new people um, from looking on, on eBay because there's a lot of times there's costumes for sale there that we even say they're 501st approvable, but in fact, they're really not. And we um, have kind of a mentorship program to help people select the best place to get parts. Uh, but as if you were doing a stormtrooper and you go onto this webpage, it's just for stormtroopers. And you would just say, Hey, I'm, I'm John from, from Poway. And I want to, I want to build a stormtrooper from a new hope, but I don't know where to get uh, the boots. Where do you get the boots? And they'll say, Oh, talk to this guy over here in, in Colorado or talk to this guy up in, in Canada. And there are individual people who, have taken upon themselves to kind of create specific parts of certain costumes. And it's, they're not allowed to advertise um, really publicly. They're, they're, it's kind of a, I want to call it a gray market, but they're, they're allowed to sell to people, but they're really not supposed to make much of a profit. It's supposed to be very much at cost. So it's really just a labor or hobby type of, of business. Um, 
and you just collect all the different pieces and you put it together and you make it, you have to make adjustments to fit you and, um, and then you're, you're good to go. Now, you know, I have, I actually brought, I have a couple of things here. One of them is my, this is my stormtrooper helmet. I'm going to make you go full screen here. So everyone okay. can see. All right. And here we go. So, this, uh, you know, it looks like a stormtrooper helmet, and and but the inside, but most people haven't seen the inside, so it's really just padding and uh, a visor material, and then those are a couple of uh, computer like fans, battery powered fans that help keep you cool. Um, they're you know they get put together. There's there's different requirements for for instance here I actually have two two screws on the earpiece but if i wanted to be completely authentic to the movies there's actually i believe there's three screws that are necessary <laughs> nice um but it's just it's just plastic abs plastic and the we there are people who have built molds and they've been they have vacuum form um presses in their garage and they produce these and they they send them out you know they sell them you know to members that are building the parts um the the key is that they they have to show that they made the mold themselves there has to be an original art form they can't take like a another person's helmet and make a mold of that and then start selling it that's uh you know that's not okay and so they actually have to document that they make their own custom uh uh, mold. This is my other one that I've got. This is the boss, um, a Darth Vader one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's kind of my pride and joy. He's uh, he's built by a, a guy who has a workshop in the UK, and he researched very carefully. In fact, and I, I was mentioning this earlier. I, hopefully, you can see, but just for fake, there's a small little blemish here on the on the cheek that looks like a little hair you know brush stroke and when i got it i was kind of upset i was like gosh guy why did he miss something like that well it turns out if you looked carefully at the film from a new hope that actually is the way that uh the the helmet was in the movie so he, he actually painted that on purpose <laughs> nice but you know the inside of Vader, it's it's made out of kind of a lightweight fiberglass. It's got like a hard hat insert that goes over your head, and and then um, just the the eyes. And and one of the things I did to help make it difficult to see uh, in, because I don't want some to see my eyes, I put a little bit of um, screen door material over the lenses to make it that much more difficult to see uh, inside. Nice. No. <laughs> so, uh, Every costume has its own advantages and disadvantages. You know, there are some that are are inexpensive, and there are some that are comfortable. Um, the stormtroopers are are famous for not really being able to sit or climb stairs very well. <laughs> that once once you're in, you are standing up until you're done. Um, other costumes are, are are popular. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What do you wear underneath? I mean, does it get hot? So are you wearing like t-shirt and shorts underneath, or, or does, um, that, does that it get uncomfortable? For 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 my Vader, I actually have a ice vest um, that I wear first underneath. Um, that is got this kind of gel material that freezes at sixty degrees, so it stays cool at sixty degrees for a few hours, and then over that I have a. Um, kind of a t-shirt and then there's a leather bodysuit and then there's the armor and the chest box and two wool capes um, so it gets it, it heats up pretty uh, pretty quickly 
so, but there's different ways you can keep cool. Um, I think what I'd like to get around to is a little bit more of the charity work that we do. You know, we, we do, you know, yeah, sure. costuming is, you know, dressing up is great, but why do we do it? And we've been involved with, um, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation and Children's Hospitals. Um, even even recently during the COVID, you know, we haven't been as active. You know, we certainly aren't going out closely, but uh, there was a, a young boy who was, I think he's only like five years old, and he had just finished his 100th chemotherapy Um and um, had finished his chemo and he was very excited and he wanted to go to, was excited to go to school. So the school that he's going to is still virtual, but he, they set him up outside by the school and there was a drive-by parade. Um, There's fire engines and police cars. And we, we stood around him at a distance, kind of in a circle, um, kind of standing guard around him uh, during, during the event, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. Todd, do you have any uh, favorite uh, memories or I- events? You know, that uh, you want to share? You know, there's been uh, so many amazing events that we've been a part of. Uh, you know, that we, we've had the privilege of being invited to to try to uh, you know encourage the crowd and just be a, be a draw. You know, it really is just the, the the warmth of like putting smiles on kids' faces. Now, those kids might be three years old. They might be 30 years old. Uh, you know, it's like the, the, the smiles really is the, probably the, the biggest, you know, uh, most heartwarming benefit, I think, just seeing uh, how incredibly enthusiastic people are to seeing uh, us in costume. And uh, but, you know, we've done uh, you know events, you know, like everything from 5K walks for various fundraisers, you know, from, you know, muscular dystrophy or Crohn's and colitis or, uh, you know, make a wish. Um, and uh, but in addition to charity, we'll do community events. There's, you know, uh, I remember one event at the uh, I think it was the Poway Library that we had done. And uh, so we appeared uh, in speaking to, uh, you know, probably you know, uh, kids between, I'd say probably like eight and 15. And, uh, not only did we take pictures and that with them, but they were actually involved in costuming themselves and wanted to hear more about, you know, 3d printing and, and, and how to do different things. So it's really great to see that level of enthusiasm from that age range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you know, what's something is important for people that may be listening to the podcast realize that we don't charge for our, our appearances. We are um, really a volunteer organization and there's um, there's all you have to do is actually go to one of our, our webpage, which is the easy one is the 501st.com, 501sc.com. And there's a button that says request an event. Now there are some events that we, we won't do one. We, we don't, uh, we don't do anything that promotes a commercial business um, unless it's given, unless we get direct approval from, from Lucasfilm. Uh, and we also don't do birthday parties and generally don't do weddings. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, it's usually a, a chair, or a school yeah. or a fundraiser type of event is usually what we do. I don't know if you you um, know what's the uh, who's the guy he did, goes up in the crane in the IKEA parking lot. Oh, yeah, uh, AJ. AJ Kids a- 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 Crane. AJ Kids Crane. Star I've been that event for several years. Yeah, um, he he stays up in this crane for like three days in the IKEA parking lot in Mission Valley, and people come donate toys for kids. And we we've often gone down um, mm-hmm. to help to just kind of create more of a, an event out of that kind of thing. That's great. I mean, so like in pre-COVID times, I mean, obviously the world changed now, but before the uh, pandemic, how often were you out in the community? Was it monthly, multiple times a month? What was it like? Go ahead, Todd. I don't 
know the exact number, but I, mean, I think uh, is probably between 50 and 100, I'm thinking, yeah. uh, for our garrison. So I, I think we definitely had a, more than one a week. Wow. Yeah, but you don't have to attend every one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we mm-hmm. we get multiple uh, sometimes we have multiple events on the same day. Um so we have an internal um forum uh, calendar where when we get an event they'll post it and then you can choose to sign up for it or not. The the only requirement to maintain your uh, membership in good standing is to do at least one per year. So that's that's the minimum. Interesting. And, and Todd, you brought up 3D printing. I, I'd imagine that's been a real big uh, boon for the for the costume making, correct? Oh, it has, you know, because I think really prior to that, people would really have to make their own, you know, mold and form it with resin, you know, or uh, using a material similar to that and really, you know, designing it from from scratch. And now that designing is still happening, but now it's happening digitally. And so people are actually, you know, making their own designs to replicate something they've seen on screen and and create it, you know, with just, uh, you know, a few hours of printing people. People um, are making so many different things now and more quickly. You don't have to rely on necessarily one person to be creating that mold and pouring the resin and things like that. Now, you know, members can create their own design and share it with other members or whoever they wish to who have 3D printers. And you can have, uh, you know, a whole bunch of things printing at once. You know, a great uh, member of our garrison, he recently created um, an entire uh, battle droid. You know, as seen in uh, like Star Wars, the the prequel movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really has changed the costume in quite a bit. It's it's amazing. I mean, this is, just to me, it's a fascinating thing because there's the costuming, which is unbelievably. Um, how should I say? People take great pride in getting it just right. Then there's all there's everything to do with the outreach and the great things you do in the community. But then it's just fun to be around other Star Wars fans, I'd imagine. Um, it, it tell is. me a little bit more about the group. What's the age range of the group? Maybe is there a demographic profile? I mean, what are, the, what are the people like? We I think we come. We really are a diverse group um the the er, you have to be 18 and older to join the 501st legion however there is a group called the galactic academy which is designed for for kids under 18 that has much less stringent um, costuming requirements um so basically 18 and over um just an approvable costume and that's really there's no cost to join i was actually just looking at, at our demographics and i think the the the, the highest the group is probably in their mostly in their 30s and 40s right now, um, but um, it, it it trends different ways. And we have, um, I think, generally is about 75 percent uh, men and 25 percent women. We have a lot more women uh, that do stormtroopers and other costumes that are maybe traditionally a male character than you might think. There's no we make no restriction as to what kind of a, a costume um, gender you know that you should. Be able to do that. You can, you can be, you can be a tall Jawa or fat trooper, or you know, um, it's um, yeah. we we don't we don't do any discrimination. Um, there are sometimes if we do involvements with Lucasfilm, if they're doing a particular shoot, they have a they have kind of an ideal, but that's that's kind of a rare a rare situation. Mm-hmm. 
And um, we, you know, I'm, you know, you, I'm a pharmacist. We have other doctors and uh, professions and students, and a lot of active duty military people are in the five hundred first. In fact, that's kind of, they kind of enjoy that because if they get if they transfer every every, you know, every couple of years, they get moved to a new base. There's usually a five hundred a local five hundred first garrison wherever they're at, so they can kind of kind of continue on uh, when uh, through through their service. That's awesome. So that's great that it's just like a nice swath of, of society that it's involved. Now, tell me, like, every time I see the photos, I see, I don't know, it must be 80% of the people are stormtroopers, right? Um, but what yeah. are the other costumes that are popular within the group? Well, the stormtrooper is probably the most prevalent, and uh, and that's good because they're expendable, too. So we can... <laughs> Right. Uh, the the next the mo- next most popular costume is the tie fighter or the tie pilot and that's the the black helmet with the hoses uh, um, however um, part of the reason of its popularity is we there's a, a character that we you know we looked through the movies we just decided in some of the scenes that there were these guys that just had a hat and a jumpsuit that we decided that they were probably reserve pilots so mm-hmm. we made this a costume called the reserve pilot, which is a relatively inexpensive, it's kind of the gateway costume to kind of get you in. All you need is <laughs> boots, a jumpsuit, the hat, maybe some gloves and a belt. And that's an approvable 501st Legion costume. And from there, you can use that jumpsuit for um, the full type pilot. Um, there's several other costumes that, that utilize that, that you can go out to, um, Another another category that's popular are the kind of sand people, <laughs> or they call the Denzians. They're the Jawas and the Tuscan Raiders. Um, people kind of like them because they're they're you know they're kind of flowy and um, they can they can you know they have kind of a little bit of a fun attitude sometimes yeah. and uh, get into that. I when I've dressed up as a stormtrooper, I kind of would sometimes joke around with people. And when I started when I finished my Darth Vader, and I tried to kind of joke is Darth Vader doesn't work. You really have to play Darth Vader straight. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. I don't know, Todd, you, it might, I'm sure I'm missing several. Um, no, you're right on the money. That's exactly <clears throat> what the most uh, common costumes are. But uh, the thing is, that it's everything. I Oh, I, I wish I could remember the number of CRLs that we have. Um, I think it's about like 500 or something. I, I, yeah, I believe so. Um, so Anybody uh, can go to 501st.com slash CRL and you can see the uh, the number of CRL listings that are there and take a look. At the, the and CRL again, this, yeah, costume resource listing or, or sorry, costume reference listing. Yeah. Okay. So that's our that's our document. It's open yeah. to the public that you can go and you can look up Stormtrooper and it'll show you all of the qualifications of if you are a Stormtrooper, you need to have this and that and um and and we've gone through now that the movies are out on Blu-ray, um, and not just the movies, but you know some of the the shows. You know, The Mandalorian is out; it's very popular. Although that's kind of a, a it kind of has a Venn diagram of the costuming clubs and of all the different costumes that are out there. And some again, everyone recognizes a stormtrooper, but there's some very obscure uh, costumes in the story that you, only the most diehard fan would recognize. Oh, you're the second lieutenant from that, you know, from this scene. 
Nice. And, um, but I should mention that there are several other organizations in the Star Wars uh, community, you know, that we, as I said, we're kind of like the, we say the bad guys. Um, there is the, um, the Rebel Legion, which is kind of like our, our sister uh, group of essentially very much like the 501st, but made up of more of the, the Jedi, the Rebels, um, mm-hmm. you know, those guys. <laughs> and we have a lot of members, a lot of members are members, I have cross membership. So we're, um, we're, we're all, we all play well in the sandbox. And there, there are, se- there, there are several other, um, several other groups of uh, costuming fans and then we we're trying to you know kind of work more uniformly together at, at events um you know just trying to to sp- spread the universality of it so now, some of the other able to we able to participate in the events like at petco park because they usually have a star wars night every night for the baseball games right Yes, yes, we we've done the Petco, we've done the soccer's, we've done the goals, um, uh, and yeah, I did I did the Petco. I think it was just the last one that they had, and it was um, it was a lot of fun. And uh, but they have to get when in those because it's a commercial organization, they have to get permission from Lucasfilm. Uh-huh. You know, to do it. And there's certain things that we're allowed to do, and so like we're not allowed to have Darth Vader give the make the first pitch. Which I wouldn't be able to do anyway because with the shoulder I couldn't get my arm up high enough and it would look horrible. <laughs> but, um, so yes, we you know if if a commercial group like the Goals or or Padres or thing are want are having Star Wars night, they get a, a, the okay from Lucasfilm, and Lucasfilm will contact us and says okay yes they've got permission it's okay for you guys to go go do that. But Todd, I think you were going to say something. Um, oh, yeah. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, some of the sister groups you mentioned about the Rebel Legion. Um, I would like to mention there's the Mandalorian Mercs who uh, are devoted to the Mandalorian style bounty hunters like, uh, you know, Boba Fett, ones that look like that uh, type of armor. Uh, we've also got the um, the droid builders who, uh, you know, do actually replicas like of uh, R2-D2 and uh, droids of that nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also the Saber Guild who are devoted like to uh, uh, Jedi performance art, you know, uh, with lightsaber battles. And uh, and then you already mentioned the um, Galactic Academy as well. I think we've also got the um, flagship Eclipse that do uh, members of the Sith that might not have been seen on screen, but their own version of a, a Sith Lord. Yep. Yeah, they all and there's there's the San Diego Star Wars Society and there's a science fiction coalition that is kind of like all cosplay. Um lots of cross membership. Now, tell me a little bit about you know Comic-Con and what you what's the connection between your group and Comic-Con and the things you've done at that event. Well, it's it's evolved over over the years. Um, you know, as you know, Comic-Con didn't start, isn't like it was, you know, 15 years ago, but, and I don't remember the, 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 the first year that they did it, but, um, they had stormtrooper that they, Comic-Con used the stormtroopers for line control at one point, uh, of just kind of making sure people stayed in line and, you know, have the stormtroopers say, move along, move along. Uh, um, and that was really fun, but they kind of realized that we don't have any actual training in, you know, crowd control and we can't really move very fast if there was a problem anyway. <laughs> so they resorted to just using standard, uh, you know, standard uh, line control. Now um, we have a, we have a booth or a table at Comic-Con every year in a is in the fan area. It's kind of in a back corner. You kind of have to know where it is. Otherwise you would never, never find it. It's up on the mezzanine level. Yeah. Right. 
uh, and um, so we don't necessarily have an official uh, connection with with uh, the Comic Con uh, as much uh, like we used to. Um, we do occasionally do help out um, some of the there's some of the Star Wars booths um, there are Star Wars themed booths like at Hallmark or um, you know they have like a, the Star Wars through Star Wars uh, ornaments coming out that sometimes they'll ask for volunteers to have us kind of be around but again that's kind of a commercial endorsement so we only want to do it when you have the the appropriate approvals for that. Well, there's of course the uh, the droid hunt. That oh, is yeah. uh, done typically on the Saturday of Comic-Con each year where uh, members of the public can uh, come up to our booth and be assigned a uh, like a, a lanyard and tag. And uh, we will have people in Stormtrooper costumes or other Star Wars costumes roving around the convention center throughout the day looking for them. And if you're caught, then they're like, aha, then the, the, essentially they're looking for the droids. So they've captured the droid and they will you know uh you know take the lanyard or a portion of it back and then uh the contestants you know are uh the public you know who were caught were uh, are then eligible to win a prize nice that's right yeah that's uh yeah that's that's hard i did that one year i spent eight hours in costumes walking through the crowd scanning for those lanyards and and i <laughs> i was going goofy after a while <laughs> The public really likes the interaction, especially, you know, and, uh, you know, because you, you have a stormtrooper suddenly coming up and, and many of the stormtroopers are, uh, you know, will have a microphone system in them. And, and so it, you hear this it's like, hey, you stop there, you know, and it's like people are like, what, what, you know, and then other people are going around watching like, oh, what did they do? The stormtroopers are stopping them, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, the fan interactions are uh, a, a, just a lot of fun. They're, they're a great aspect to it. Agreed. Agreed. So, and, you know, the, the, oh, go ahead, John. No, I, I just have a, a kind of another topic, if you don't mind. Um, um, sure. But, but, I, well, before you do, I was going to mention that. On when, this, okay. Okay. It was just the, the, um, the guy that started the 501st name is Alvin Johnson. And he, um, this was uh, a while back. It was like in 1997. And, and the, 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 um, he wanted to be a stormtrooper. Um, he, had, he had kind of a different story, and he, and this was before eBay and three D printing. And um, what was the movie release? Was it um, uh, episode? It, it was yeah. Oh, the first of the one? pre the prequels. Yeah, was coming out. yeah. And he kind of cobbled together a stormtrooper costume. It was just him, and he went to the premiere of the movie theater, and people just kind of laughed at him, like you know, just having one stormtrooper walking around, like ah, oh, come on, get a life, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> then his buddy end up getting a costume too. So now he had two, he had two stormtroopers walking through the crowd, and that changed the whole energy of it. And his goal when he started the 501st was to get a hundred stormtroopers. That was, that was his goal. And now we have 14,000 members. So. Wow. So that's, it's come, it's come a long way. So that's so it all. Just started really one fan wanted to kind of have a little bit of fun and now yeah. look what it's become worldwide. Yes. Yep. And he, and Alvin, Alvin Johnson still involved with the group. Uh, I've met him a few times. Very nice guy. Um, you know, just always kind of keep keeping present and making sure that we're, you know, the, the, one of our taglines is bad guys doing good. So, <laughs> Right on. You know, the, the area that I want to explore with you a little bit, and you touched on this a bit, is, is when Disney took over um, Lucasfilms. I guess 
Walk me through that, I guess, maybe beyond the scope of, you know, the, the 501st, but the business deal that took place between Disney and Lucas. And that how do you think that changed the way the whole Star Wars storyline and and how, how did the fans react to that? Was it a positive or a negative? <laughs> you you want to go first there, Todd? <laughs> Oh, well, honestly, I think uh, people had the whole run of the uh, gamut of uh, emotions and thoughts about it. I know, you know, a lot of people were really worried that, uh, oh, they're going to Disneyfy, you know, the entire franchise. You know, we're going to have, you know, movies of, of Mickey Mouse as stormtroopers now. They're going to make everything G rated. Uh, you know, it, it has, you know, the whole heart been like torn out by this, you know, large corporation. Is it going to be too sanitized? You know, um, um, and I think we've definitely seen the far the other side. I mean, you know, Rogue One, in my opinion, uh, I think that, uh, you know, is probably the grittiest of all the movies. You know, I mean, it's essentially like a war film uh, set in the Star Wars universe. Um, so I think that's long been uh, negated. Uh, but I know there were concerns. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really talking about Darth Mickey and, you know, uh, um, and, you know, there's been a lot more merchandising. There's been, you know, you know, but at the same time, there's been a lot more films. There's new uh, TV shows, uh, not just the Mandalorian, but, the, you know, the Clone Wars and the, you know, all these different kind of spinoffs. Um, so it's it's different, though. You know, when I when I joined, all I knew from Star Wars were the six movies. And it was before any of the, the latest you know, came out and um, it kind of had a feel, but then we didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, and it's, I think for the most part, it's, it's, it's done well, um, but we're still kind of evolving and figure out what, you know, what's going to happen now that the, the original Epic, you know, saga's got a bow on it after nine, you know, nine episodes. We don't know. We don't know what's coming next. Now we're the, yeah, I know there were the three primary episodes in the third trilogy plus a couple of one-off movies like rogue one right right so um were those three movies i guess we'll call them seven eight and nine for lack of a better naming mm -hmm. that what were those george lucas's scripts or is this something disney created on their on their own I'm. I think it was mostly on their own. I, I don't really know. I and mean, this is getting out of my wheelhouse. But I don't. I. I think although George Lucas maybe had some consulting, but he. He it was not his a creation. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. I, you know. I had heard rumors that effect that Lucas. I think lost creative control when he sold. Obviously, um, and that tweaked some people. You know, because everyone had such reverence for Lucas. Well, and there, there's actually people that felt both ways about that. You know, they they kind of felt like the the, the prequels, episode one, two, three, were not his best work, uh, yeah. and um, and that maybe he had already kind of you know peaked, and that they needed some fresh ideas. And other people, like you said, felt like you know it was it was his baby. But I, I believe the deal was that it was. They were buying the rights to the story and everything that will come thereafter. About, was it two years ago or so, I was visiting a friend of mine up in Marin County. And he took me into like this little downtown area. I think it was San Rafael. Maybe it was Corte Madera somewhere. And there's a little park. And in that park, there was a fountain. And at that fountain, there's a statue of Yoda 
and yes. of Indiana Jones. Yep. Uh, well, I know I don't know about the Indiana Jones one, but I know that the Yoda fountain that I'm thinking of is at um, in Presidio Park, where uh, Lucasfilm is based. Oh, so in it, the city itself. Uh, but San Rafael area, I mean, there's also that's where you know Skywalker Ranch is up in the in the San Rafael area, um, and that's also where there's a museum up in is it Petaluma. Or is called yes. Ranch, Rancho Obi Wan. A guy named Steve Sansweet, who used to work for George Lucas, um, has is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the largest uh, collection of Star Wars memorabilia, and wow. and he has an entire museum um, that I, I think I've been to. Todd, I think you've been to. No, I have not. No, uh, it's uh, it's packed full of just bizarre artifacts um including a little display for the 501st so that was nice um so there's a lot of you know star wars you know basically on the 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 muir woods up in the you know that's where they film the the um the biker you know scout scene and in the return of the jedi and um so there's a lot a lot of the bay area uh, based in the creation of the stories is there is there a uh, a favorite movie that you guys have or, or you know even counting some of the animated series which one is the one that really turns you on wow I, you know go ahead i, 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 I was just gonna say this is always a battle if you look on social media you know star wars fans what's your ranking you know it's like and and everybody takes you know not only the the nine episodic ones but fits in solo and rogue one and and, and where do you place them you know and everyone's and, and then the next movie comes out and everybody changes their rankings and how it comes out you know <laughs> uh and you know i have to say for different reasons i enjoy different versions it's really hard for me to say which one's the number one but um i have to say probably the the one i i kind of take to heart is return of the jedi that was uh just my favorite when I was a kid. And so I have those, you know, uh, you know, nostalgia moments of, of, uh, watching that movie. And, uh, you know, it was great to see the, the, the group back together that I love the, you know, biker scout sequences on the planet Endor or the moon of Endor. And, uh, that's really the one that uh, comes first to my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard question to answer, but I John, you and I are about the same age. I remember uh seeing the original 1977 film in 1977. I was about 10 years old um at the small little theater in Lake Tahoe where I lived and um not knowing anything about the movie other than the poster that I saw outside as we were going in. And so remember just the mental image of that opening sequence and the music, you know, just exploding, not really even know what to expect. Yeah, that uh, that that that's probably made me connect with that movie the most. But even, you know, I think all of the movies provide something, some part of the, the story. And so they have parts. Um, I think of the recent movies, I really felt like Rogue One, uh, as Todd kind of mentioned, really kind of captured um Kind of the the struggle, the it, you know, it's a it's you know, there's questions like why does Star Wars you know persevere so much? What's his end? And people, someone called it a space opera. That it's you know, it's a convoluted story with with complicated characters, and there's people. Some people are good, some people are bad, and everyone's a little good and everyone's a little bad. And it's the human. It's kind of the human condition of of you know the struggles and the um, doing what's right or, or you know. Uh, 
it's it's interest it's interesting that it has persevered as much. I mean, you have presidents quoting you know Star Wars, you know, where actually during the release, you know, ET was a, a bigger commercial success when it released than Star Wars was. Yet you don't hear anybody talking about it anymore. Right. So it is somehow Star Wars has kind of integrated itself into the the culture in ways that I don't I can't think of any other film genre you know, has done. You know, yeah, you right, you and I are about the same age and I remember prior to the movie coming out in 77, I was reading one of those you remember the highlights magazine? Yeah. Them in the dentist's office for like yeah. kids. Yeah. And I was reading one of those and it was talking about the release of this movie and how it was going to be this great thing. And and they they tried to frame it like it's like a Western movie with good guys and bad guys. But it's a Western movie in space, essentially. And um, I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. And then I remember my stepbrother took me to the theater to watch it. And we went to the Burlingame drive in. And that was a tough movie to watch in a drive-in because uh, it was confusing and the sound was all you know crappy from that little speaker. <laughs> hanging in the window. Um, I had to go back and like see it again until I really got it. Uh, but once I watched it, I was hooked. I mean, it was just tremendous. Um, I, I really think that that first movie might is my, the one that I remember the most. Episode four. Yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, I, well, I agree. And it's just, I don't know, I don't have much more to say about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I would just like to add that the, the effects that were created for that film I mean, were groundbreaking, right? Yes. I mean, there was, you know, George Lucas had to, he created Industrial Light and Magic, right? You know, the visual effects company specifically for Star Wars. Right. They had to come up with all these things that didn't exist before. And that's what really blew people's minds. Right. Because the only really thing that uh, not the only, but the, primarily what we were seeing on the screen at that time, you know, you're thinking more 2001. Right. A space Odyssey, you know, and things are very pristine and things are very slow moving in space. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you have this action film where you've got X-wing fighters coming in on this side and laser blasts. And, you know, it was exciting and so revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is, it is unbelievable what Lucas did and, um, and, and Jamie, to your point, I think, yeah, the way it's integrated in culture is amazing. I mean, people often will quote Yoda, you know, as a great philosopher. <laughs> you know, see a lot of that too. Yeah. Um, and and they found that, you know, depending on where, where you were born or what generation you are, you may gravitate more. Like, you know, people in our, our age may gravitate more towards the original trilogy, but kids born more in the 90s relate more with the the, what we call the prequels, episodes one, two, three. And now with this latest, you know, stretch of the next three, you know, that will probably resonate more with, with a new generation. Um, so it's like, so I'm hearing some of these kids that are, have, have really only known these last three to come out really don't even want to look at the first three because they're just too, they look just too old, too, too junky. <laughs> you know? Well, I remember when the trailer first came out for episode one and they were showing Anakin in that, what is it, a speeder or a racer? The pod racer. Yeah. The pod racer. Yeah. And I remember that was really special uh, when I, when that, you know, was presented. It made me want to go watch the movie. 
Yeah, and you know, some people say that that kind of came back to George Lucas. Uh, he used to you know, drive um, not race cars, but he used to like to drive fast. You know, when he lived, he grew up in the Modesto area, and um, in fact, I guess had a had a pretty bad accident out there at one point. But um, but a lot of that came from his um, you know his upbringing. You know, a lot of the a lot of people thought. Um, He's been he 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 based a lot of the idea from Buck, more Buck Rogers um, right. and, and Flash Gordon type of serial spoofs, not spoofs, but they kind of based on that. And even the um, some of the dogfighting sequences in the original movies of this, they've been able they found some old World War II um, newsreel footage of dogfights that he basically copied those that footage from the newsreels into the star wars thing so you can find basically the same angles and the same shots um that were done in the world war ii mm. um and you know a lot of that is kind of very built off in fact here i have my, my blaster i should say what i'm going to show you is not real <laughs> but <laughs> right but this is made out of hard rubber but this is this is the stormtroopers uh we call it the E-11 blaster. But what it really is, is um, we get it centered there, is built off the British machine gun, Sterling machine gun that was popular from the late 40s until the 80s. But what they did, so it's really a full machine gun, but they added a little extra few things. Like they added an extra counter and they added these little tube things on here. And these, whoops, these rails, these are just rubber rails that they, they stuck in the in the vent holes to make it look more spacey. And then they took the scope and they turned the scope backwards. So the scope is actually backwards the way it, the way it should be, but it looks more spacey that way. Yeah. And and that's all that's all that they did. They so a lot of it is built off of you know World War Two and real real weapons um but just turned them into a more spacey look that's awesome yeah it makes sense that he would model you know off of what he what he saw as a child and when he was growing up and yeah the those dog fights that that makes sense just the angles and the trajectories yeah so so you know with yeah can we switch gears again, if you don't mind? Because um, I know we were going to talk a little bit about Star Trek and how it compares with Star Wars. And I was wondering if we can dabble a little bit there. I'm going to kick this over to Todd. Because <laughs> I have known fans to, of both, yeah. and it's sometimes competitive, isn't it? Uh, you know, again, I think it, it goes from one side to the other. Yeah, there are people that are, you know, die hard one and not the other you know people that are star wars fans uh, just like oh yeah well star trek's yeah it's too slow or star trek fans are like ah star wars is too actiony you know it uh you know it, it really can you know run from one end of the spectrum to the other myself i'm a huge fan of both you know um I, i've been a, a big fan of star trek since um star trek the next generation premiered in uh 87 hmm. and that was my entry to that um, but I mean, I've you know, been a Star Wars fan since I was younger than that. Uh, I think Star Wars, you know, what it provides that's different from Star Trek, right, is it is a lot of focus on not only, uh, you know, action stories, but also things, you know, kind of like you'd consider like almost like the, the seedy underbelly, right? That whole kind of underworld, the, you know, the spies and the scoundrels and the, you know, um, and it's a lived in universe, right? It's very gritty and dirty and, and it's not all perfect. Whereas Star Trek, right, is kind of what we hope we will become. Right. We, we want to be able to have, you know, uh, our our crap together, you know, that we're we have prospered. We have lived long and prospered. And, uh, you know, and 
we're you know out there exploring the galaxy for the betterment of you know humankind and you know not just our own you know petty you know uh squabbles or uh, you know desires uh to you know uh, have battle with each other from we say we can evolve beyond that and just exploring the galaxy yeah they are they are very special both you know what's is the word franchise um I I remember about maybe eight years ago, I started on my quest of watching every episode of every Star Trek, of every series of Star Trek. And that wow. took a long, long mm-hmm. time to accomplish. There were like about 500 episodes across the five different series. And I wish more of the Star Wars was available on you know, some of the other streaming platforms. All, or, or, well, maybe now that it's owned by Disney, are the old movies on Disney now too? For Star Wars, yeah, on on uh, Disney's subscription service, Disney Plus, yeah, they have all nine of the theatrical movies, uh, the episodic ones. They've also got, I think, I think they've got both Rogue One and Solo, um, and and now they've got the new series, The Mandalorian, which is an exclusive new series, uh, now just starting its second season. And probably all the animated ones too, I right? I think they do have. I think they've got Clone Wars. I don't know if they have Rebels, um, but I know that it, since Disney Plus did start just a year ago, there were some contracting or uh, licensing arrangements that a certain series were still on other platforms. And I'm not mm-hmm. positive on you know where they all lie now. Because I saw, I watched the whole Clone Wars series on Netflix. And then I remember watching Solo and Rogue One on Netflix. But so maybe they had a contract with them for a period of time and they had to wait for it to expire before they brought it back to Disney. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm glad you've seen The Clone Wars because I think that is um, I only watched it a few years ago for the first time. And. I love really how in depth it got into, uh, you know, like some of the topics like clone rights. I'm like, this isn't a a child's cartoon. And you're actually talking about like the rights of whether or not they should be treated as individuals, you know, uh, you know, it's very, very, uh, really interesting topics that they delved into. And I think it really uh, fleshed out a a big part of that space between episode two and three. Um, You know, when I saw episode three, and, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, cries out, you know, you were uh, my brother, Anakin. Right. <laughs> and I was like, really? I mean, you got to pal around a little bit and you told him to, you know, stop being a goof. But I, I really didn't get that relationship. But the Clone Wars, I found just really fleshed out that relationship. And you really admired the the the, the camaraderie and the friendship and the respect they had for each other. And it made that turn in, in uh, Revenge of the Sith so much more meaningful. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That's well put. I completely agree. Yeah, and I think if you get a chance to to get to the Mandalorian, I think you you mentioned kind of like the the Western in space. Well, the Mandalorian definitely has a Western feel, almost like a spaghetti Western, Clint Eastwood kind of pacing to it. Um, I think it's very well done, um, and that's and and the two guys that are in charge of that one are, are Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau. John Favreau from the movie Swingers, as well as you know Elf, and uh, um, yeah. Um, anyway, if you get a chance, I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, my uh, other family members have been saying we need to get Disney. So 
this may just be the thing that pushes me over the edge. Podcast <laughs> conversation. <laughs> well, this is good. I mean, well, let's circle back to the 501st. I mean, is there anything we're leaving out? I mean, we covered so much in this conversation. Um, there, there was a story I'd like to share because it actually involved Poway as well, too, that there was a, um, well, I should back it up. Legoland used to have Star Wars weekends. And we used to go, we were at Legoland and they were, it was an epic grind. There was like 12 hour days and endless lines of kids to get photos and we loved it. Um, but speaking of like the licensing, um, Disney actually canceled the, the, the licensing with Legoland and they actually removed the Legoland, the, the Star Wars Miniland from, from there. And, um, but when we were there one year, there was a, a kid who was in a wheelchair. And, but his dad had turned his wheelchair into a TIE fighter. So he had like the solar, you know, the panels on the side. Yeah. And um, he was a huge Star Wars fan. And it turns out he was like a, a you know, normal kid, but he got he ended up getting a virus or something. And they don't know what happened. And, and he got paralyzed. And um, and they were really kind of struggling and trying to, trying to find out what was going on. And we heard about how much he really loved Star Wars. So actually, he really wanted to be a TIE pilot. So both Todd and I have a TIE fighter, a uh, TIE pilot as our our, one of our costumes and we actually reached out within our network of the other Thai pilots around the country and actually outside a little bit international too and we actually collected and built a costume for him uh, of a TIE fighter costume we got the parts donated and then people send in you know coins and patches and we coordinated with his family that they were taking him out to I, don't, I forget the name I think it was in Poway the big park out there in Poway and we got there early and we were all set up and they were just taking him out for a walk well in his wheelchair and they came around the corner and we were all there waiting for him and surprised him and uh, nice. we pre presented him with his own TIE fighter uh, helmet. Uh, we made a, a plaque making him an honorary uh, honorary member, honorary TIE fighter um, and then tons of you know swag that we've had, you know, coins and, and, and you know, shirts and things that people donated. Um, that was one of my most, you know, really touching, you know, events that we did. And, you know, and, and we've kept in touch with the family. He's at the boy, he's getting better and he's, um, you know, he graduated uh, high school recently and we're hoping that he'll, he'll join as a full member, you know, soon. That's terrific. Yeah. I think, wasn't your first costume a TIE fighter? My first costume was a TIE fighter. Yes. I, I liked the costume. Um, I like, I, I kind of like the image. I just, it was very cool. But then I, I did get a stormtrooper after that. Um, somebody said the stormtrooper is kind of like the little black dress. It goes with everything. Um, <laughs> and, um, yes. and then, the, and then my set, my size of the ultimate was my uh, Darth Vader, which took me about a year of collecting the parts and getting everything put together. Um, it was also the most expensive one to get together too, boy. <laughs> so, um, costumes can cost you anywhere from a few hundred dollars to several thousand dollars. Um, I have about $6,000 in my Darth Vader costume. Really? Yeah. Uh, but it's worth every penny, isn't it? I think so. But, you know, maybe you can talk to my wife a little bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> but just the experiences that you get, I mean, like the smiles you put on people's faces and just the fun you have doing it. I mean, that's priceless. It is. There's the different reactions. And Todd said, they, whether you're three or 30, um, it's been it's been fun. Um, you know, sometimes these kids are terrified. They'll, they'll I'll turn around and they just will completely lose their mind. And the parent will try to pick them up and bring them towards me. I can tell that the kid is 
legitimately freaking out. So I'll usually back up and kind of maybe wave or put a hand up to do a little high five. And sometimes that helps uh, ease, ease their nerves a little bit. And when we have what we call wranglers, kind of like a Disneyland, how the characters have somebody nearby because you can't really see very well. Um, and sometimes our wrangler will kind of come in and say, it's okay. He's, you know, he's, it's okay. You can stand here. And, um, but that helps a lot because with, especially with my Darth Vader, I can only see so much. And I've had a couple times where a little two-year-old will come up and stand right at my feet, and I have no idea they're there. But I'm be I'm looking across at my Wrangler, and they will point like, look down. I'm like, oh, all right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need that to kind of help, no doubt. Yeah. As for that reason, like my first costume I joined with was the Biker Scout, and it's great because it's still a white armored costume, but it has fewer hard pieces than a Stormtrooper. It's more soft pieces, so it actually allows me to be able to kneel down, and uh, it's got nice big uh, goggles on the helmet, so it's got good vision too. So typically, like you know, when a child comes up that or uh, may not want to come up, might you know might be a little uh, hesitant, uh, it allows me to kind of get down on their level and just kind of like, hey, you know, how's it going? How's your day? Who's the best? character you've seen today you know and and kind of build a rapport with them that kind of be like oh okay you know it's it, it's not going to hurt me you know he's just, just a guy you know just you know they can have a star wars conversation and it's uh that's really rewarding nice so you say the biker costume is that on, on the return of the jedi when they were on those yep exactly is that what they're called bikes uh biker scout or scout bikers. trooper yeah yeah okay yeah yeah and we've um yeah and anyway yeah the costumes are really unique in each there's kind of clubs within the club so again there's a club of just the biker scouts and there's a kind of a club of just the tie fighters and just the the sith lords the darth vaders and stuff and um they kind of have our own little patches and and it's again it's kind of a very pseudo military you know where you have like regiments and you got platoons and you've got you know and you kind of create the the esprit de corps of your your people even within the bigger the bigger unit and you know here in san diego so the local chapter imperial sands garrison we have what's about 130 140 members uh in the san diego area right now and uh, we used to be part of a larger garrison that was all of southern california but uh, we have rules and regs but once you get a certain number of people you can actually split off and create your own garrison nice and we've been we've been a garrison now since 2014 i think Sounds about right. So, yep. Why is it called Imperial Sands Garrison? Well, um, largely for two reasons. One, we have the beaches. Um, we just you just want to kind of something that sounds imperial. So not only do we have the beaches of San Diego, but we have the deserts in the Imperial Imperial County. And I don't know if a lot, maybe people don't remember, but the in the Return of the Jedi, the the episode with the Sarlacc pit and the Jabba the Hutt's barge when they went out and they were going to throw Luke into the Sarlacc pit. That was all filmed out in the Imperial Dunes, out which is just um, just west of Yuma. And um, in fact, we've gone out there a few times um, for some photo shoots because of the same, it looks exactly like it did. And if you know where to go, um, you have to kind of use GPS. But if you know where to go, you can still find remnants of the Jabba the Hutt's barge um, scattered in the in the sand out there because they blew you know they blew it up. So there's just fragments all over the place. Nice. Well, a little bit of uh, Star Wars here in Southern California. Absolutely. How can people get a hold of you? Is there a, a website or what's the best way for them to reach you? 
Uh, yeah, um, our main webpage is just 501st.com, so 501st.com. Um, we have a Facebook groups, uh, but then if you want to, if you're local here in the San Diego area, um, the Imperial Sands Garrison, uh, we have our own webpage. I think it's just imperialsandsgarrison.com, if I'm That's right. Yeah. And uh, we also have Facebook groups um, and um, Twitter. Do we have Twitter? Yeah, we have Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, and we're anyone- always... Mm-hmm. Well, so if anyone wants to see what it takes to, to join, you can actually just go to 501st.com slash join. And it, it tells you kind of uh, all the, the requirements, you know, how, how to get in. You know, really, you just need to be, you know, 18 uh, years of age or, or older and have a, a, you know, screen accurate costume. Um, but uh, you can find out all, all details, you know, about CRLs and, and uh, you know, who to contact, et cetera. You can also find out about, you know, all the different, re- you know, uh, where the local uh, groups are, local people are in your region and uh, links to all the different, uh, say the, the, the detachments that Jamie was talking about, the, uh, the different groups within groups of, you know, stormtroopers or TIE pilots or Sith Lords, et cetera. Yeah. And you so, know, I think so people join costume. You can join, and people will help you or point you in the right direction to have yes. a set. Yes, and we and we will interact with you before you're an official member. In fact, we encourage it because, first of all, you may not like us, but we, uh, but we we use prospective members. I guess they're they're welcome to come to our our gatherings, our armor parties, at least when we were in person, and that we invite them to come uh, to some of our events so they can kind of see and we they can actually help us. They can help be a wrangler, um, you know, kind of make sure the kids don't try to steal our blasters and things like that. And you know, it's and then while you're doing that, that's when you can do your research when i first joined i had one guy who was a tuscan raider he was trying hard to convince me that i want i should really pick a tuscan raider because that's the best costume in the world and the other guy said no 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 you want to be a tie fighter because this is the best costume in the world so everyone's you know kind of jockeying to try to get you to be one be one of them yeah so um it's it's good and, and the charity everyone joins for different reasons. Um, I like Star Wars fine. I don't know all about it as like some people do, but I really like the organization. I like the community effort and the charity work that we've done with the San Diego Food Bank, the Make a Wish. Uh, we've gone to Rady. Uh, we were at Sh- uh, Sharp. We were at Sharp Hospital for um, a reunion parade for babies that were in the NICU when they were first born at Sharp, and they come back and they did a little drive-through parade, and we were waving at these kids. And we worked with the Naval Hospital. Um, we've gone out to the uh, air show out in the El Centro Naval Air Station El Centro and gotten to interact with the Blue Angels, um, and that was always kind of fun because they were just geeking out over our costumes, and we're geeking out over like talking with the Blue Angels. So. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, that's great i mean you guys are doing great things in the community and this is terrific thank you uh it's 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 fun and it's, it's a nice distraction it's a good thing and um they're a good group of people mm-hmm. so Todd, what was your first costume uh like i said the uh the biker scout was, that's right, the was biker my scout. first one Excuse yeah me. But I've since expanded to also I have a, a TIE pilot and uh, then I've got um, I've got a, a stormtrooper in process and I have. Uh, but now I've also joined the Rebel Legion and, uh, you know, I've got several costumes there. And uh, it's yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun to be able to learn new skills and then start realizing you can use them to adapt to other projects. Now, Todd, you also host a podcast, correct? 
I do. I am uh, one of the co-hosts of the 501st Legion's uh, official podcast. It's called the 501st Cast, and we put out episodes about once a month. Terrific. Okay, well, we'll have to. I'll put that in the show notes, the links to all of your sites and, and as well as your podcast, so we can point people in the right direction. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. This has been a lot of fun. Terrific. I enjoyed having you. So thanks again, guys, and right. we'll be in touch. And you let you let me know what costume you want to build for your first one <laughs> when you thinking, join. My mind is going <laughs> right now. I'm thinking, what could I be, you know? But sometimes the little black dress sounds good, but, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe there's something a bit more special. But I'm going to give this some thought because I should have come to the armor party when you invited me like about <laughs> – five years ago or so yeah um i missed out i i i, I blew an opportunity there yeah now well, we, we have a lot we have a lot of members up in north county poway area so i'm sure once we're able to meet in person again we'll we'll be we'll be doing stuff up there cool all right guys well thanks yeah. a lot thank you john yeah thanks for having us <laughs>